listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. I am the pastor of First Church Charlotte. Thank you for joining us for a little while. We are finishing up chapter 8 of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus asks a profound question, and this is quite instructive of the style in which he talked and he taught and he imparted spiritual things. And that is in the form of a question that cuts to the very quick of the soul. A question that brushes aside all of the human rationalizations, uh, as it were, tosses away all of the excuses, all of the reasons for this and uh, defenses of that, and cuts right to the very quick of the matter. Jesus asks this question, Mark chapter number 8, verse number 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is speaking to something that is profound, even for even if we were referring to someone who was not particularly religious, even if we referred to someone who was predominantly secular in their philosophies and in their ways of being, uh, even they have to care about their soul. Now, they don't see it through perspectives of Christian faith like we do, but they still have to care for their soul. There are ways of being, there are decisions, uh, there are value systems that if we live that way, we do damage to ourself. We do harm. We are malevolent to our future self. We damage our souls. As believers, we primarily want to look through the perspective of the Christian faith and we would say without hesitation one to another that our soul is the most valuable possession that we have. And Jesus reminds us of the value of our souls. He reminds us of the necessity to take care of our soul, uh, not to lose it, not to waste it, not to sell it in some bartering or exchange. Uh, it is truly the most valuable possession that any of us have. It's more valuable than our careers, more valuable than what money we have in the bank, more valuable than the best insurance plan, the most secure career path. It's more valuable than all of those things. In fact, let me try to say it this way in an, in an effort to have you get the point of this. Let's say you have a great career, you have a great home, great family, uh, you're safe, you don't live with disease, all these things are good. You can have all of that, but if you live with a broken soul, the things that should bless you will lose their ability to bless you. In other words, you can have the most beautiful home in the neighborhood. Indeed, you can live in a castle, but if you can't sleep at night, you will be just as miserable in a castle as you would have been in a hut. In fact, 
Anybody who understands the nature of the human heart and the value of the soul would say, and Jesus will teach this in various lessons, uh, if you have poverty but a healthy soul, you can live a very contented life. But if your soul is sick, there is no possessions in this world that can make you whole. So, in our study of the words of Jesus, we, we have two approaches always. With everything that Jesus said, there's always two approaches, both important. The first of them is to let the word stand alone. To let the words, as it were, be a, a statue in our life. To stand alone and to consider them in isolation. And that would be to simply study as we have read the text here. We read one scripture. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And let those words stand alone. We are taught in the study of these words that our souls are valuable they can be harmed we should take care of them and we must keep our soul um, why is it valuable because the manner in which we are made in the image of God does not speak to our physical bodies but it does speak to the nature of our souls. Now this is an important thing because God is a spirit. He doesn't have natural body like we do. Uh, and so to look at the image of humanity and say, um, that's the image of God, is to really just get the edge of what the scripture is trying to say. It's not the, the core of it. Uh, the manner in which we are in the image of God speaks to the nature of our being, our soul, uh, the, the inner man, the inner woman. Uh, we are created in God's image, yes, Genesis 1.26, but that image is not reflective of God having a physical body. God doesn't have a physical body. John 4 and 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Also John 20, or excuse me, Luke 24, verse 39. God is a spirit. He, the reflective elements of our heart um, are more important than any physical appearance because God is a uh, spirit. And if we have a soul, which we do, it is fashioned in the very image of God. This is what enables us to comprehend abstract concepts like, well, eternity. <laughs> Uh, like life and death and how they move together. Uh, we have a sense of the aesthetic. We, we perceive what is beautiful. Uh, we perceive what is appropriate and uh, vice versa. Uh, we also have a moral scent of, sense of right and wrong, good and evil. Whatever your background or belief set, you have within you a sense of the ought uh, or at least you should, and if you don't, you're part of the 10% of the country that, or the world that is functioning sociopath. Um, this is what it means to be um, in the image of God, this sense of the weight, the real value of things. And we are made higher than the animals who do not perceive these 
abstract insights of eternity and deity, but we are lower than the angels who stand in the presence of God and see him as he is. Psalms 8, verse number 3. This is the New Living Translation. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. Here is the sum of the issue. Uh, the body passes away, the soul continues on. The body dies, returns to the dust, but the spirit, the soul, goes back to God. Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 17. We live believing, as believers, we live awaiting the resurrection or awaiting the return. We who are alive await the return. Those who have passed on await the resurrection. This is all fundamental to the Christian faith and what it means to be uh, a believer. If we accept this truth about us, if we can live with the spiritual embrace of this truth, what do I mean by this truth? I mean this. I am body, soul, and spirit. And when I use the words this way, the soul refers to the eternal me made in the image of God. The spirit of me, small s, I, I think of as the personality, the uniqueness of, of me, who I am becoming, who I have become and who I am becoming. Uh, and so we are in the image of God and the result is we need to evaluate all things in our life, possessions, decisions, and actions. We need to evaluate them from an eternal perspective, from the viewpoint of the soul, because Jesus cuts right to the quick of eternity's question and says, what will you give in exchange for your soul? This is a question we should all take into our prayer closets, our private times of devotion. Almost all of us are tempted to exchange our soul for something. What are you at risk of selling your soul for? For some people, it is earthly fame, uh, earthly riches. Uh, that they would, they, they would give everything for that. And uh, they quest for it. They lust for it. Uh, and the result of this is they, they neglect their service to God. They neglect their heart for God. What they want is this kind of imaginary life for themselves. And the interesting thing is, is if you follow people who have become famous, you learn very quickly it was not what they thought it was. And they brought all their troubles with them, all of their emptiness with them. They just had a different context. Who they were had not changed. Uh, they've traded their soul for what is corruptible, what can be lost, what can be stolen. Uh, for others, it is the pursuit of uh, sinful experience, sin. Uh, they want pleasure above everything else, and they'll risk everything for pleasure. And Proverbs warns uh, the young man being tempted by a harlot or the that whole style of immoral excess can be not just for a young man, it can be for any uh, anyone, male or female, this, this kind of cheap pleasure 
that's probably an easier way for us to apply it to our lives in a fair manner, even though historically um, this idea of uh, the young nobleman, rich with uh, all that life can give, goes and pursues cheap pleasure. Um, this is the warning and this is the pleasures of sin. And so in a moment's passion, uh, lives are destroyed. I could go down a long list of things that cheap pleasure can often end up in. Um, relationships damaged, marriages ruined, families separated. Um, the Bible gives us the image of young people in the scripture who choose to live moral lives like Joseph who is pursued, desired by uh, his owner's wife. He's a slave, but he, 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 as it were, fights for his purity. He flees and he bears the accusation. Uh, he shows us what it means to be strong in moral commitment. Um, for other people, they exchange their soul simply for the laziness of it. They, they live with simple ne neglect and rather than using the opportunities the Lord has given them to find missional purpose, find divine calling, find a place in God's kingdom, uh, they kind of serve themselves and they simply neglect their soul. They are too lazy to be spiritually disciplined and the result is their talents and gifts are always wasted like one who would bury those talents and gifts in the ground and do nothing with them. So we have looked at those words standing alone. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We've let them stand like a, a monolith on the horizon. We haven't looked at them in context, but if you look at them in context, there's a slightly different application. Um, the former was not wrong. Um, the latter, however, is helpful. Uh, and this is how I would say that. When Jesus introduced his disciples to this painful question of protecting their soul, valuing their soul, um, or conversely, betraying their soul, selling their soul, losing their soul, uh, the context is Jesus calling them to a life of self-sacrifice. If any man would be my disciple, let him deny his self. Let him take up his cross. We're not dying for nothing. This death has purpose to it. That's what you see in the cross. Mission, purpose, calling, my life for theirs. Deny the self, that's the enemy. Take a cross, missional purpose, calling. And by doing that, follow Jesus. Um, in the context, Jesus is challenging them not to live religious, selfish lives, but to live religious, spiritual lives. That's why the greatest teaching opposite in all of the New Testament is not the sinner, but the opposite of Jesus' way is the Pharisee, not the sinner. There is an antidote for sin, uh, but self-righteousness is the way of Lucifer, and it kills spiritual life. So this is the challenge. He is, what will you give in exchange for your soul? Those words are not standing alone. He puts them right against the issue of, are you going to be my disciple? Are you going to go the way I'm going? Are you going to live the kind of life I'm living? 
If that's the path you're on, you've got to deal with the selfishness in your heart. You've got to deal with that. You've got to find your missional purpose and calling. Then you can say you're a follower of me. Now, what will you give in exchange for your soul? As if to say, and here's the unique distinction of how uh, this question applies in context. As if to say, in the context, if you will not deny the self, you will be unable to save the soul. Now do you begin to understand the words of Jesus? That if you do not show yourself willing to die, you cannot spiritually live? Now do you understand the words of Jesus when he says, uh, if you anyone would try to save his life, he's going to lose it. But if anyone would lose it for the sake of the gospel, the mission, the call, the purpose, why we're doing this, they would then save it. So Jesus' words about losing the soul is not necessarily set in the context of the list I gave earlier, which was some people exchange their soul for earthly riches and fame. Yes, some people for them it is lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. For some they're just lazy. That's looking at the words in isolation. Jesus gives us the words in a larger conversation as if to say, if you are unwilling to deal with the self, there's no way you can save the soul. Therefore, losing our soul in the context is placed as in juxtaposition, $5 word alert, <laughs> as an opposite, not this, this, a complete opposite of not living in sin, but living in religious, self-centered, pharisaical style where you have all the signs, but none of the heart of the way of Jesus. You have all the outward images, but you have none of the mission of Jesus. That is how the issue is raised in context. So Jesus introduces the disciples to the painful reality of self-sacrifice, not purposeless, but in pursuit of missional purpose, spiritual mission. He invites them to walk the same path he is walking, take up, the, deny the self, take up the cross, follow me. Now he talks about the risks of losing your soul. Let me say it this way. Every one of us, starting with me and all of you, we need spiritual mission in our life. We need somebody else we're praying for, someone else we're encouraging, someone else we're helping. The anointing must flow through us, not to us. <laughs> the blessings must flow through us, not to us. We are becoming in direct result to our ability to deny self, find missional purpose, and give ourselves to it as one who would follow Jesus. Your soul needs spiritual mission. You and I, you were made, designed, intentionally crafted to, by God to make a spiritual difference somewhere, somehow. And your individual gifts are a direct divine investment in you. And you need to take that investment and do something with it. You cannot bury this investment. You take your gifts and turn it into spiritual mission, divine calling. This is the way. This is what it means to be Jesus followers. This is what all of us need to commit our lives, ourselves, our souls to doing. And by turning away from self and pursuing mission, 
we have a chance to save our soul through the great work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the call for all believers, all Christians. Parents, there's notes for you to talk about these subjects with your children. Please do so. Your children need to open the Bible with you and see you hear your voice, your words, teaching them. They need to hear you pray over them. I'm doing it with my kids. I need you to do it with your kids. <laughs> this is the way, behold verily, walk ye in it. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Lord, be with your people. Guide us according to your will. Give us spiritual strength to step out of our indifference, to step out of our spiritual laziness and make, and make a commitment. Take a step. Pray a prayer. Speak some faith to make a difference. Placed as we are by your hand. Committed to your calling. Recipients of your anointing. Use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.